Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Love it. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. Okay, here's what we're going to do with this one is we do headlines and try to figure things out, but the way this one thing's covered is absolutely driving me bonkers. It annoys me. I think we're doing a great disservice to a great many people, and I tagged in my friend John McCumber, who used to have a whole bunch of interesting titles, but now he's just retired, so I don't have to use any of them. John, how are you, my friend? Good to talk to you again. Andrew, I couldn't be better, and it's great to talk to you again. It's been too long. For those of you on the YouTube channel, you will get to see his wonderful Florida man retiree motif he is rocking today. Got him out of the hooker hat, at least, so a little bit of a change of pace. I knew I had my flying tigers hat on. But I have to talk real carefully right now because my uh, DOG saw me put on this HAT, and he thinks <laughs> it's time for his WALK. So uh, <laughs> it is, I have to talk like it's a toddler. and. Uh, that would be Brody the Wonder Dog that you picked up here. Brody the Wonder Dog, yeah. Um, we're going to try to get this done before any of my dogs realize I'm recording or the cat shows up and photo bombs me. I, you're exactly who I want to talk I want to talk about the way the media covers things like financial planning right. and not just the economy because the economy is in the news. When we talk about things like buying a house, we talk about things like retirement planning, you're on one end of it. You've already had two or three successful careers. Your wife still works a little bit but also had a successful career. You're in that retirement where you moved to Florida and did all that. I'm in the middle of it. We both have adult children who we're trying yeah. to navigate. When they want to talk to us, we'll give them advice on how they're navigating their 20s and 30s. So this is how I want to address this, though, because I think the media coverage, especially the influencer culture media, which is bleeding into news media, I think the way we talk about retirement, financial planning, home buying, the really big, important stuff, right? right. Car buying, we can lump that in there now, too, because it's getting yep. expensive again. Anything with an interest rate, I don't think we talk about this in a healthy way. I don't think we talk about it in a productive way. And frankly, I don't think we talk about it in a truthful way. I would absolutely agree with that. That's a great assessment. What Now that you've done the retirement thing, though, yeah. this isn't complicated stuff, really. It's really anybody that's actually done investing. I'm not talking about Bitcoin or the hot stuff right. or things you're doing. People that know how to do financing, it's just consistency yes. over time and having yep. a plan and sticking to it. Yep. 
that's not how we talk to young people about it. That's not how the media talks about it. What is it from your end of it looking back on it now? Because you did it successfully and you're, you know, doing okay and not missing any meals because you're a member of our Twitter supper club. What do you tell somebody that's just seen the influencer culture of how to kind of turn down the noise on this? Well, I think one of the the important things to, to preface any discussion about retirement and financial planning in that area is to talk about the fact that retirement is something that hasn't even been uh, considered uh, or, or even talked about. It's something that just kind of popped up in the middle of the 20th century. Uh, up till then, you hoped that the kids would, uh, you know, if you had a family, they'd take you in and, and let you die peacefully at home. Uh, or you hoped you slumped over, you know, digging your ditch or planting your corn and, uh, and, and, and just fell over dead because it, it, it retirement just didn't exist. There wasn't this, uh, plan for financial stability, uh, the plan for the ability to have income or anything after a certain age. And people just wore out, men's, men and women, wore out from their work and their labors after uh, a number of years. And so now as the uh, uh, as medical advancements and others allow us to live longer and we start anticipating retirement, you know, like I say, they, they started with this great idea back in the middle of the 20th century where they'd have these defined benefit plans. Plans. And you would be able to work for you know, a large corporation for X number of years and, and then take a retirement. My dad did that. He got out of uh, after fighting World War II. Uh, he came home and he, you know, instead of repairing aircraft on carriers, he was busy building uh, planters and tractors for John Deere. Spent 30 years working there. And then, uh, and then, unfortunately, died the month he, he put in thirty years because he was worn out uh, from war and cigarettes and and alcohol. And he just he just died at fifty nine years of age. And they kept uh, you know provided basic care for my mother until she passed. Uh, I didn't have that process going for me with that retirement. I didn't have a defined retirement plan, except if you consider the military. Uh, and, 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 but I, I left the military early. I didn't get a big retirement payout. Uh, I, I call it car payment money and not live by the beach in this uh, trailer money. So how we talk about uh, retirement is important to understand that it's a relatively recent phenomenon. And so you're talking about, we've only been, what, two, maybe three generations that have even had the opportunity to consider it. So how do we talk to young people about it? How do we talk to others that are looking at how to get there? Uh, I think it's important to understand the dynamism within this uh, this uh, financial systems and, and where we are right now. We went from defined benefit plans early on in the retirement area. Uh, it, it, in the mid 20th century, we um, rolled out social security. I think I read somewhere, and I I should have had this prepared so I could cite it exactly. I think the first person that collected Social Security was a woman who had in uh, put in thirteen dollars and twelve cents. You know, she because the the way it timed out, the law passed, and when she retired, she had put in thirteen dollars and twelve cents and took out twenty thousand uh, or twenty six thousand over the the remaining years. So it showed you right off the right out of the gate how this system was uh, flawed. So we have this system still in place, this flawed system called Social Security. Uh, we have um, uh, now, like I say, 401k. I was the 401k era person. So after I left the military, and again, I was way, you know, I left the military long before I was eligible to really retire. 
I had to go back, work in industry, and then uh, do the savings part of things on my own and be able to contribute to that environment. So that that put that in that situation. So what I tell and, and what I would advise young people now, it's it's it 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 it's not so much the, the mechanics of it, but exactly as you said, it's about consistency, uh having a basic plan that you have to be able to adapt though as 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 changing times, housing market, look what's happened to the housing market, look what's happened to uh, a, a variety of um, elements of our financial system, uh, car prices, used cars. You know, the average car in the United States today is 11 years old. The average car on the road is 11 years old. That's never been the case. You know, my father's era, they, you know, they'd look at buying a car every couple of years, usually because the cars wore out pretty quickly. They'd look at having one every couple of years. My father-in-law was still of that generation, and he always wanted a new truck every other year, even though he put very limited miles on it. So that was just that that whole thing has changed now in 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 us. And because that, aside from housing, that's oftentimes people's second most uh, second largest investment is a vehicle. And so you've got so many of these competing priorities. The key to all of this, though, is, is, is what I found. I was so fortunate in, in what I did and how I was doing it. And I can't say I'm some kind of a genius at it. But by God, the point was to get to where retirement happens to be out of debt. And that 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 truly is. I mean, you know, you can say what you want about Dave Ramsey, but his overall message is 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 solid. And, and that to me, is is a place to start to have this discussion. Here's the nomenclature needs to change, though, because we talk about retirement or investing or whatever. <laughs> I think the debt thing is something we hear it in certain aspects, like we hear it with the student debt thing and the college thing. We hear it mm -hmm. in that debate. But the problem is we don't make a I hate to use the word holistic, but debt is a holistic problem to your life. If you've got a whole lot of it, yep. it, it just crushes everything. Yep. If you've, you just talked about the World War II generation. I think this is important. I think we're past the point where that worked 30, 40 years for any company, unless it's maybe the federal government, and even that's a little iffy. I think the, the years of having careers with one company, that's just gone. I think everybody needs to just have a mindset of, I'm going to have to piecemeal my career, piecemeal yep. my benefits, piecemeal my plan together. But part of that is what you just said is, how do you incur your debt? Incurring debt on a house is not necessarily bad debt because it can be an investment. Right. However, if you just have credit card debt, if you just have student loan debt without any way of really recouping it or you're in your 30s and 40s still paying debt off when you're in your prime earning years that you could be putting it into a house or something that has value. The World War II generation, we just talked about housing a couple of days ago on the program. Housing is a generational wealth multiplier yes. because you can pass that down. It gives you options, things like that. We don't talk about debt in a healthy way because we want to act like all debt is equal. It's not. Yeah. We want to act like debt is a fungible thing. It's not. And then we don't talk about the benefits of not being in debt. If you can get to retirement out of debt, you're probably ahead of the game. Yeah. Almost nobody gets to do that, though. Right. No, it's it, it, that. I'm, I guess I'm reminded of those advertisements you see all the time that pop up on your social media, on Facebook, wherever you are, that say, if you have half a million dollars, you know, when should you retire? Take this quiz. And of course, the quiz doesn't tell you when you can retire. It simply allows them to assess where you are and then sell you, you know, a variety of products and services around it. Uh, so you never, there's no answer to any of this. And and so uh, all, all, 
retirement planning and debt planning is third grade math. That's all you need. There's no high finance answer, you know, that that you need to do or Monte Carlo simulation. You simply have to have a basic understanding of how to do third grade math. <laughs> the, the the only real challenge is, it is every retirement planning uh, tool that anybody sells you or uh, provides free. There's online tools you can use. Begins with one simple fact that you have to suss out: When are you going to die? If you can answer that question, the math is real simple. Uh, the only challenge becomes the reason it gets complex is because, you know, either we're not willing to live up or look up to those numbers, or we're not sure how to even begin to assess that. Uh, and and so, you know, again, I guess this comes from uh, a person with uh, bad genetics. Uh, you know, my, my dad died at 59, my uncle at 57, and my sister at age 51. Uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, the fact that I'm still here with you today is, is a miracle, and I treat every day like that because it truly feels that way. Uh, but, you know, when am I going to die? I just watched my in-laws pass in, at 80 years old each. And um, it, it, so you look at the math, and it becomes an interesting, uh, interesting what-if scenario. But that's the story. When are you going to die? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, John McCumber joining us. This this is actually a core problem with Social Security besides the policy part. And we always talk about the policy part. The basic math of Social Security is it was designed for 170 million people that lived into their 60s. Yes. And now we have 330 million people and counting, and it's going to be over 400 million within the next 15 years that are living into their 80s. Yeah. That's the basic core problem of Social Security besides government malfeasance and Congress. And I, we can talk about all that. That's just the core problem with the social safety net is it's designed antiquated. It's not designed for what we're trying to do with it. But that also applies to your personal life. You don't I remember my my parents, you know, public employee pensions. My father was very smart with his money, he kept a lot of his money, invested well, things like that. But, you know, they're public employee pensioners. Right. And when my mom got breast cancer, this is the thing when you get older, you have these multipliers of cost. You know, now all of a sudden the chemo is outpatient instead of inpatient. So you're paying for the chemo out of your pocket instead of covered on your plan. Little right. stuff like that, you you just don't realize. End of life care where, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of that. I They showed me my hospital bill in 2016 when I was in the hospital. The VA was covering it, but I was in Duke for five months. It was a multi-million dollar bill if I didn't have insurance for five months and everything I went through and all the surgeries. Sure. Folks got to understand it's not just when you die, but those couple of years before you die with most people, you're going to have some ill health, things like that. Those are financial bombs that go off that you're either prepared for or it completely wrecks your life. And we right. don't put those on the advertisements. No, no, we don't. 
And that, and that's why, you know, managing and uh, having uh, and the changes that we've had, uh, dramatic changes to insurance and, and the like, uh, become uh, real difficult to forecast for retirement. I know that's a challenge I've had. I'm fortunate that I, I also have the VA and I'm living a place that, you know, knock on wood here, uh, the VA has been phenomenal uh, in, in my area, believe it or not. And I know there's horror stories everywhere. Uh, but I've been getting uh, the care I need that, uh, and and the pre- preventive care I need, and it's been really, really pretty good. So I'm 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 happy with that. But again, you know, you, people don't have the tools they need to prepare for this. So the one of the tools that's po- uh, positive all the time is uh, why don't government just cover it for you, and uh, <laughs> and so the, it's the whole microcosm of, of that. Why doesn't the government? you know, handle it for you becomes another string of issues that that needs to be discussed. Uh, But at the same time, you know, people, you know, one of my favorite pundits who's unfortunately now passed is PJ O'Rourke. And he once said, if you think healthcare is expensive now, wait until it's free. Uh, So we've got a whole other series of challenges that we're going to need to face in that healthcare area. But planning for retirement, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to say I was kind of, you know, really smart and did all this stuff. I absolutely didn't. Uh, I didn't plan to retire when I did. Retirement kind of snuck up on me. I've been treated kind of unfairly. I got kind of kicked to the curb, felt really down and, and, and just didn't even think about it until I met with my Schwab guy. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you think about retiring? Look at your you know family history. Look at this. Enjoy a few years off. And, um, by God, that made perfect sense. And and I've been blessed to be in a position to make that decision. And I did, you know, all the dumb stuff like everybody will ridicule me for. And I moved to Florida. I live in a 55 plus community. But, you know, again, until you see it, till you experience it, then that's what it took for me as another person, a mutual of ours. Uh, she and her husband had retired and moved to down here and then uh, said, just come and visit. And I'm literally, like I say, I'd been out of work for about a year, had been kicking around and and not really finding what I wanted. We were down here three days. I bought a house on a handshake. And I said, this is how I want to live. Uh, and people have these odd sufficiencies. You know, like I say, when we talk about you know, the generational changes, when I thought of 60 people in their 60s, when I, which I'm well into my 60s now, when I thought of people in my, when I was a kid, they were just fat old women, you know, the white hair with an apron, you know, standing at the stove making cinnamon rolls, you know, and a guy with a cane, you know, sitting out in front of the Cracker Barrel or wherever they were sitting on, a, you know, in the town square feeding the pigeons. Um, and then you find out that, uh, you know, that that world, like I say, people live to their 80s. Uh, I have um, men and women that I golf with that are in their 80s. Uh, and, and and I go golfing with them, bike riding, and, and a lot of other hobbies. And it's really surprising to see uh, people don't go to retirement communities to just wait to die. They go there to enjoy the last years, the golden years, as we like to say. And it, 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 so that difference is, is significant. And like I say, gener- World War II generation, uh, you know, all my 
you know, my teachers in high school had been at war with my father. Uh, they, you know, the teachers from my high school, the, the business people in town had been, uh, you know, through World War II, everybody that had really cast uh, that whole generation. And then, like we said, those, uh, again, I'm talking, babbling on about these different things, but these all have to interconnect and how people put those together to, to look at these later years of life is what's going to determine how well they live it. But I got nieces and nephews, and I'll tell you something I, I, I just don't see now among my nieces and nephews. Maybe yours are different. But if you don't hustle in your 20s and 30s, you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to struggle in your 50s and 60s. Yeah, it's funny because John McCumber joining us. Of course, my 20s and 30s, I was in the military. And then, you know, was going to do a second career when I got medical out of the military. Yeah. And then we see how that worked out. So you got to be a little flexible. Here's the thing, though. What you did, though, you're actually a statistic. Did you know this? No. When COVID happened, 4.2 million people dropped out of the workforce. It was one of the big economic things that didn't get talked about. But 2.4 million of them, the big bulk of them was actually retire age people that just said, screw this, I'm going to the house. Either they were worried about their health, they just right. didn't want to fool with the restrictions. A huge cohort of that, you know, 60s, upper 60s, they just said heck with it, went to the house and didn't want to fool with it. Yeah. But now something's been happening over late. about 1.2 million of them, according to the statistics, I'll post these in the links on the hertel.substack.com listing. They're coming back into the workforce, but almost none of them are full time. Mm -hmm. They're part time. They're sorry. One of the things that I think is really changing retirement is the same thing that's changing work for people like me. I'm in my 40s, but I do, you know, work from home and I have my government disability and things like that. But it's also changing what I see the college age cohort doing too. You have multiple side hustle opportunities and you kind of piddled with this. I know your wife works from home some, even though you're quote unquote in your retirement home. Yep. You have options now, and we've got all the data in the world. It's not just golfing and the lifestyle and that. That's healthy, too. The longer you work, that actually extends your lifespan. So it's actually different than that World War II generation where it was more factory work, things like that. Yeah. There's you technology jobs. Yeah, it's not just beat your body into the ground. You can be a productive member through technology now well into your later years, and people are taking advantage of it, not just for the money stream. They just like feeling productive. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, as you know, I have my little LLC here in Florida and uh, I still do consulting and uh, writing uh, for uh, for an employment and uh, and file taxes and do all those things you do for running a small business. But it's a uh, it, it's worthwhile and it does. It gives me a reason to get up every day and uh, and do something uh, as well as uh, enjoy the extra time that I now have that I never did. You know, that's what I tell my, you know, I, I'm amazed at my nieces and nephews. And I'm talking about young men and women in their 20s, early 30s that post on social media. I see them on Facebook and they're they're exhausted after a 40 hour week, you know, and they had to punch the clock for 40 hours or go to the job. And, and we're not talking people with huge commutes or anything. They're just a, a small town people. They work hard. They've got a good job and they're crushed at the at, at the end of the day. They have family. I look back and I don't know how I certainly did it. But, you know, I, I one of the stories I like to tell when I was in my late 20s, uh, I was in the military, as you were, at that time in my life, and um, I decided I needed to go to college. 
And I wanted to move ahead. I wanted to get a commission. So I started, you know, I made the mistake of, uh, you know, the only reason I got forced into it is I made the mistake of boasting to my wife that I would do that. And then, and then say, well, I'm going to get started on it, but you're pregnant now. She was pregnant with our first. And I said, but after you give birth and, and that child's here, then I'll go back to college. And um, I'll never forget it. The day I went to see her, you know, one day, at, at the day after our daughter was born, we were in the hospital sitting together. She looked at me and she goes, time's up. Uh, you said you were going to do this and, 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 and she's here and you're doing it. So that afternoon, uh, the next afternoon, I went down to the base education office, signed up for uh, college programs. And I like to tell my nieces and nephews, I said, let me tell you this. I had this little little baby daughter, brand new. I said, I work night shift. I was lucky. The military worked around me. I ran a data center at from midnight to 8 a.m. That was my basic duty. And then, of course, additional duties, other things you do in the military all around that. Uh, but I, the basic duty I had was to run a data center on the midnight shift. Uh, and I said, then I went to school, I'd, I'd get off at eight in the morning, uh, I'd come home and my wife would go to school. And so she went to school, I took care of the baby. And then uh, was during the day, my wife would get home around five, 530. I went to school from six to nine o'clock at night. Uh, and then I went to school from six to nine o'clock at night. Then I uh, got dressed, uh, went into my military job at midnight and started the cycle over again. And I asked my daughter, what's missing from that? I remember talking to her about it. She goes, well, you don't talk about sleep. And I said, I didn't. And I said, because what I did is I said I had two hours to nap, uh, which I did in a chair at night before I started my midnight job. And I napped when you did. Uh, and uh, and then, you know, there were a couple nights I didn't have school. So that was fortunate. But the whole point was that was my schedule for years. Uh, and, and then, uh, like I say, um, then the school thing. So I really feel strongly that those side hustles ended up becoming my career, uh, which was really fun. And it allowed me to do a lot of things. So I, I really, I think this important thing to remember is that no matter what the market looks like, no matter what the housing is, is, is that if, if you got to really move out when you got music at night, I have to struggle to get out of bed the next day, but it's a, uh, it's, it's a different, different world. McCumber joining us. I, I remember because my military career, of course, I'd been in about a year when 9-11 happened and the world changed on us. We went from having the cakest, easiest job in the world to things got real in a big hurry. Yep. Um, you know, I look now like those Frankfurt days when we first went into Afghanistan. We're working 18 and sixes and sleeping at the office because you didn't want to waste the 20 minutes going home. You'd rather just sleep on the couch, right? Sure. I, I couldn't do that now, but I could do it then. But it front loaded me on hard work so that, you yeah. know, when you're doing other stuff, it didn't bother you so much. When I talk to the cohort and my, you know, my kids are this age now, they're 25 and 20 and 17 and 16, almost 18, one of them, um, two, one's already out of college, one's in college, mm-hmm. one has zero interest in college and the other one wants to do this artsy school thing, whatever. They're all very different. And the one that doesn't want to go to college wants to do trade. 
Yeah. And I told him, I was like, absolutely. Go learn to work on engines, go learn to weld, whatever. It may not be your career, but it'll teach you a skill set. And anytime you learn a skill set, that sets you up for wherever you're going to eventually go. Right. And that's a hard thing to talk to the college cohort. When I work with the young voices kids, I tell them all the time, I was like, don't worry about the end goal so much. Build skill sets. Yeah, it's great. Because you don't know where you're going. How would you tell people? Because you've had three or four careers now. You've done the yeah. consulting thing. You know, you didn't roll out of bed and wind up doing cybersecurity and becoming a cybersecurity expert. You had about four or five things that lined yeah. up that I made did. you qualified to do that. And you had a depth of knowledge that made you really good at it. Explain yeah. that to the younger cohort of like, don't just worry about the degrees, which are fine things, and don't just worry about the job, which is a fine thing. Are you building skill sets that you can go in an office and go, you can give me this job because I can do X, Y, and Z? That's, that's a whole different thing that's been lost. And I've done, I when I was in the corporate world, I've interviewed people. And I tell people now going into interviews, like, I don't care your accolades. Tell me what you can do. Right. I don't think we train kids to go into an office and go, this is what I can do. Right. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And this is always going to be a, a seller is having those skills. Uh, I had the same counseling. Like I can step back. I didn't, like I say, didn't roll out of bed and fall into this. I was very fortunate in many ways. I'm not here to certainly just sit there and boast and say that I'm some kind of a brilliant person. I'm not, but I did. One thing I did do is keep a mind eyes always open for opportunities. And when things would come up. So uh, I, I remember I got into teaching uh, and then uh I got was getting my finishing up my uh, degree and uh, then was working on a master's degree because I'd already I was in that mode. You know, I was, uh, did that, got my commission, started on my MBA, going to, you know, again, full time MBA, full time job. And uh, what uh, what I was able to do is they said, you know what, we're having trouble filling this uh, position. People uh, teach a database course for our college. Would you be interested in it? And, and you know, I just said, absolutely. Let me try that. I put a course together and taught. That was the very first uh, college course I ever taught. I was working on my MBA. I taught a course on database. And it was, you know, it would be laughable now to see what I, you know, would teach about. But it, it was an opportunity for me to learn the teaching profession, to get involved. And so as that went on, I always used my teaching to pay for my further education. And that's one of the reasons I was able to get out without debt. Uh, one, of course, the military, that that's a big bonus and, and for people. And then uh, being able to use that, even, even every dime I paid for a book, uh, a college, you, you know, sweatshirt, anything I did related to higher education, I paid for it by teaching. And and I, I got my money back, you know, tenfold over for doing that. And so being able to teach, use that money to pay for further education and do that. And then when I got, you know, out of uh, that and was uh, started on my PhD at the University of Maryland, uh, I was uh, teaching graduate school for a couple universities because, again, cybersecurity was new and they were trying to put together programs, schools that you've never heard of. Uh, now, you know, and then that predate Phoenix, University of Phoenix, which, of course, you're hearing less and less of now. But if you go back, you know, Central Michigan University, others had, had decided they wanted to jump on this uh, as a as a opportunity to teach remote courses. So I got involved with that and got paid for doing that. Uh, one of the things I've always focused on in, in that is 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 trying to make sure I was being paid for the extra work I was doing, and that that's that's a tough one. Uh, a lot of people donate their time. I think that's great. I do now. I donate a lot of time right now to 
different uh, different operations and and programs. But um, I also at the time wanted to make sure that that I was be covering. Uh, that. So again, that the extra money allowed me to get the education. I put my wife through school. She and I worked together to do that. But with sales crew, we never had college debt. Uh, and she wasn't in the military, but you know, she worked in work programs and study programs, but it was all skills based. You were right. And that's what was beneficial. Hers is in medicine. So she, she worked in clinical oncology and she worked in, in treating cancer. And so all her education, most of her employers would pay for that as, along the way. And then when she did do things like work, got her own uh, master of fine arts uh, and did that on her own, we were able to do that and cover that with money I made from teaching. And that's those, those kind of processes and always looking for opportunities and sticking your neck out a little bit. That's, that's where the answer is. That's where those extra opportunities come from. And then that's where those, you know, those skills you, you acquire, but you got to be willing to do that. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Yeah, John McCumber. This is what I wanted to do. I just wanted to have some grown folk talk about some two guys that have kind of been there and done that on some of this stuff. And we're counseling our own kids on it. And we're hoping, I, you know, I do a lot of the mentoring with the young voices. One of the reasons I love working with those guys is, you know, they're, they're I always get a crack. You got these people going to Georgetown, Harvard, and they're asking me for advice. And I flunked out of community college. Yeah. I went back. I went back. But, yeah. you know, we all did. Hey, I've flunked out. Look, I've, I've been open about it. I went to my, I tell every single one of them that want to hear it. Like, look, I went to college. I wasn't prepared. I was a meathead. I was an idiot. I was undisciplined. I wound up living back in mom and dad's basement, was working at Walmart. I never forget it. About two in the morning, saw a bunch of guys coming in, working off their hangover at Walmart. And I'm like, okay, I got to make a move. I got to get out of here. Went, you know, worked my shift, got up that morning, drove over to Beckley to MEPS, signed up. You know, that's how that went. But it was a good thing for me. Sure. I just wanted to do some grown folk talk on this because I think the influencer culture is really missing the boat because it's all about what they can give somebody. And really what this all is, is what can you give yourself and give yourself skill sets? John, let folks know where they can follow you and keep up with you. We haven't had you on for a while. We're going to get you back. We'll get you in your wheelhouse of the security stuff here one of these days. All right. Let folks know how they can follow you until we get you back on the program. Well, like I say, you know, I'm available, uh, you know, like every other bonehead that's got an idiot profile out on LinkedIn, I'm out there. Uh, but you know, that just gives, that's the official background. I'm also in, in social media and, and, but I, what, what's enjoyable is that I get to say what I want now. Cause I, I'm not going to be canceled for my job by social media. So my clients always remain uh, secret, you know, I'll never, so I'm out there publicly and I'll say a lot about what I feel and what I think, and you may not agree with me. Uh, and I'm at John McCumber, uh, 
uh, at uh, on X now or Twitter, Twatter, whatever we call that thing. And so, um, and then uh, I'm I'm available in other zones as well. But I, I go. My name you'll see up there is Johnny Moline, which is a a take on how I, where I was born and raised. And um, but it allows me to uh, say a lot about what I feel and also talk about this life I'm now living. And so I spend a lot of time doing that and uh, sharing those things. And I, I'm trying to share that positive message and, and hopefully uh, create a community of, of people that can uh, enjoy the time that they have on this earth and, and realize that it's very limited and you might as well enjoy it this time because you don't get another. Most importantly, he's a member in good standing as a hashtag Twitter supper club group, although he did put Red Velvet Corn Dogs. We're going to have to have a board meeting about that in private, but that'll be a closed session meeting while we work that out amongst ourselves. Yeah. Great cook. Looking forward to barbecue. I need to send you an order of barbecue sauce down, too. Wow. Uh, we'll hook you up. John McCumber, love talking to you, my friend. Appreciate the time. It's always my pleasure, my friend. Yes, sir. All the music on her tell is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from DC and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Herd Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, Head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics, from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thesweatypenguin.com. <laughs>